You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. Well, every night we have a routine. At our house, uh, it's time, when it's time for the kids to be put to bed, uh, I've always been the one to, to put the kids to bed, usually unless I'm gone for a meeting or something. It's just my time to be with, with each child, right? And so we have four, and so it takes a while. And, and so we have this process, and it begins with the youngest, Zenny Grace. And Zenny Grace has her own routine, that when she knows it's time for bed, or it's, we say it's time for bed, or she sees it's starting to get dark, or she just sees that we're at our end and we're going to put her to bed no matter what time it is, uh, she, she's in tune and she figures this out and she goes and hides. And, and so it's just like become this game that uh, she hides and I come find her and we have to go to bed. And, and honestly, uh, she's three and she's not that great at hiding. And so I, I figured it out every time. But here's some examples of, uh, of her hiding. Um, she'll go under the table. We have a small house. This isn't hard to, to track her down, uh, especially when there's very little underneath the table. But uh, she'll hide under the table and think that she's safe. Uh, sometimes she'll go under a blanket, uh, I think, and, but she doesn't realize her foot's still sticking out and the blanket's moving and, uh, and she's crying because it's bedtime, so I'll figure out. I don't have many crying blankets in the house. Um, and sometimes she just, like, she's awful at hiding and she goes outside to the trampoline and she's just like, he'll never find me out here, uh, which is a really cool shot because she has no legs in that one. And so it's like she's just levitating. And so this is our nightly routine because she doesn't want to go to bed. And when she's faced with something she doesn't want to do, she just hides. She just runs. And, and I think that's, that's basically many of us, right? There's something that we don't want to do, and we'll avoid it at all costs. Uh, whether it was school, I was always a procrastinator to be the last deadline to be able to do a project, to do a paper. Whether it's uh, just a tough conversation, you figure out how to avoid that person however means. And so we've been working through Mark, and we see this, this scene we get to in Mark chapter 10 here. And it just blows my mind that Jesus has been headed to Jerusalem. He knows what the end is in Jerusalem. And we're about to see, he knows in, in vivid detail about what's to come. And if I was him, I'd do everything possible to avoid Jerusalem. Take a one-way ticket across the other way. I'd be more like Jonah and just trying to flee where God's calling me, but not Jesus. And so we're going to see that if you have your Bibles, open it to Mark chapter 10. Uh, if you have the Mark journal books, if you just need one, we'll have it up on the screen. You can bring it up on your phone. Uh, if you're joining us at home, I hope you'll be able to open your Bible and dive in to Mark chapter 10. And we'll see Jesus is on his journey to Jerusalem. He knows what that means. He knows this is the lion's den. He's been fighting with the Pharisees. He knows this is this their hub. They're going to capture him. They're going to torture him. They're going to kill him. And yet, he still heads to Jerusalem. Verse 32, chapter 10 says, they were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. And the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. He's on a mission, and this mission is to go to Jerusalem, and everyone in his crowd knows the opposition is in Jerusalem. The Pharisees have been fighting you. They've threatened you. There's been reports that they're trying to figure out how to kill him. There's reports they're going to figure out how to stone him, uh, turn him over to the government, whatever that would be. They are planning on murdering Jesus. Everyone knows this is not logical. Flee. But Jesus is on his mission, 
His mission is to save mankind. I think about this journey. Just that one sentence. Imagine every step that Jesus takes. Figure he maybe even had a fast pace. Because it says the others were lagging behind. They were behind him. He led the way. And every step on this journey as he's leading the way is a step closer to his death. A step closer to the enemy. A step closer to the Passover. And he's going to be sacrificed as the Passover lamb. And every step is a step closer to saving you and me of our sins. Think about that. One step closer. There's Matt's sins. One step closer, there's your sins. One step closer, there's your family's sins. Every step is a step closer to dying on the cross and taking away our sins. And so he's leading the way, and the disciples are behind him, and they're astonished. It says they're amazed because they know what is about to come. They know that, not the, the death, but they know that they're going into the enemy's den. And they don't understand, why is he still going? And then it says even more, we're lagging behind, we're afraid. And I love that scene because you see what it looks like to be a disciple, right? That you might not know where you're headed when you're following God. You don't know God's plans, but we follow. And all these people are still following him. They still believe he's the Messiah. They're still willing to be his disciple. And they're following with amazement and fear. Description of how we are to live, that we're in awe of God, that we're amazed, not knowing where He's going to take us, but we're also in reverent fear to respect Him, to follow His commands. And so here we are, Jesus is walking to His death, and He's leading the way. Again, He it says, Again, He took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to Him. We're going up to Jerusalem, He said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests. And the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him, and three days later he will rise. We have seen how this story works out, right? We already know this is exactly true. But this is before any of this has happened. Look at this. Jesus predicts that it will take place in in Jerusalem, that he'll be betrayed, that the chief priests and the teachers will be responsible for his death, that he's handed over to the Gentiles, that he'll be mocked, flogged, and crucified, and that he'll raise on the third day. He knows all this already, and every step he's walking faster to Jerusalem to face what is about to come. Some people think that this was added after that that Mark went back and and added as if Jesus hadn't really said this because it just seems amazing. How did he predict this? Well, if you think about that, just think of what we've covered already this year in Mark, right? We've seen him heal people from the dead. We've seen him restore sight. We've seen him remove demons. We've seen him do all kinds of amazing miracles. The fact that he can predict the future isn't any more amazing than everything else he's done because he's God. So we know this is Jesus, and he knows what's ahead, and he's still doing it. It reminds me of the passage in John 15. It says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. It's exactly what Jesus is doing. And he brings them around, and he explains to them what's about to happen, and we're about to see they still don't get it. They still don't fully get it. It says, then James and John, I assume this is a little bit later, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. 
Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Don't you love that phrase? It's like when your kids come, they're like, Dad, just say yes. And be like, I don't know about that. Have you asked your mom? Yes, she said no, so we just need you to say yes. And so it's this idea of just like, whatever it is, just say yes, it'll be okay. And, and so they have this idea, and they come to him and say, Jesus, come on, just, just agree, all right? And he says, what do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. They've not been paying attention to what Jesus is saying. Jesus just said, we're headed to Jerusalem and I'm going to die. And all they just hear is, blah, 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 you're the Messiah, we're going to be in charge. They have this idea, which is, which is admirable about the disciples. We have to see that, that they see he is the Messiah. They see as he is the son of God. They see that he is the one that has come to save God's people. They see that he's the one that is to come and free them. They don't know what they're being freed from. Jesus actually comes to free them from their sins. They think it's to free them from the Roman opposition. And so they see, they believe he's the Messiah. So there's great value in the, the background behind this request. The Messiah is here. Can we be your right-hand man? When we go and we take over and we overthrow Rome, can we be first and second in command? Can we be right along your side? These guys came from money. They came from a little bit of power. And, and perhaps there's some arrogance in their request. Some selfishness, obviously. Hey, we, I know you got all these 12, but, but we're your favorite, right? Like, can we be on your side, your, your left and your right? Well, we'll give other jobs to the other guys. Someone's got to run and get lunch. But you and I, me and John, let us be the sidekicks. So there's this idea that, that they want to be in control with Jesus. They see he is the Messiah, but they don't get what Jesus is saying. He just told them, I'm headed to die. The Gentiles are going to get me. They're going to flog me. They're going to kill me. And all James and John want is a better spot for themselves. And so they, they treat him as if he's this genie that just, hey, we, this is what we want. And they have this request. And it's just like, Jesus, whatever you do, just, just say yes, okay? And, and like we said, it's like when the kids come and say, Dad, just say yes. And how often do, do I do that in my prayer life? How often do you maybe do that in your prayer life? That we come and God, God, here's what I think is going to happen. Here's what would be best for, for my family. God, here's the job that I really want, so can you just give it to me? God, uh, this, this is a relationship. I mean, she's amazing. Can, can she, she say yes to the proposal? You know, we have this idea. God, that, that diagnosis, I, I don't like it. Can you take it away? God, this, this situation, this neighbor that we keep fighting with, can, can, for some reason, can you get them to move? And we just have this, this laundry list of ideas that we want Jesus to come and God to come and just do what we say instead of us saying, God, bring us on your side. Show us what you want from us. Instead of even maybe looking and saying, Jesus, God, what have you already told me in the scriptures? Jesus has already told them the plan, and they're completely missing it. So much of our life, God has already given us an answer, and we completely miss it, and we almost ask for the opposite. Jesus, just give me what I want. So Jesus says to them, verse 38, You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. 
Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. Jesus uses these two metaphors that were relevant at the time that there's a cup and when there's a royal banquet once the king has drank out of that cup to signify that the, the royal party is part of his kingdom to part of his group, he'll pass that cup along and, and they would all drink from it. Uh, I assume COVID was not a, a worry back then when you're passing this cup, but they would pass the cup and everyone would drink from it. Or this idea of being baptized, the, the Greek word means here submerged. Will you be submerged in the pain and torture that I'm going to go through? And here is another glimpse, another prediction that Jesus has that, that comes true. He says, you will drink the drink I've been and be baptized with the baptize, baptism I'm baptized with. To James and John, James is the first of the martyrs of the apostles. We see that in Acts chapter 12. And John will suffer too. John ends up living and he gets exiled to an island of Patmos. But in the meantime, he's boiled in, in uh, he's placed in a pot, v- giant vat of boiling oil. And then he's exiled to this island to die. They will suffer. They will be part of that. But Jesus then says, but to sit at my right or my left, it's not for me to grant. These places belong for, to those for whom they have been prepared. God has already prepared what heaven would be. He already, as we read in Revelation, and you already have the throne, and, and around it are 12 other thrones, and we already has this, this setting already. It's not up to Jesus to, to place the two sidekicks there. God has a plan. It goes on to say, when the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. You can imagine they're pretty upset, Right? Uh, they're upset because well, where do you get off asking to be the sidekick? Where do you get off to ask to be the right and left? And, and honestly, probably some of them are mad. Nuts, I should have thought of that. You know, I, why didn't I ask Jesus? I've been thinking this. I just didn't have the guts to ask him last night when, when we were alone. Why didn't I jump? And so they're upset and there's this now battle brewing among his disciples. And Jesus is taking every step intentionally headed to Jerusalem where he's going to face his death. And so he's got to put an end to this, this uprisal among his own disciples. Because when he dies, those guys better bond together and come together and form the church. They can't be breaking apart now. Not when we've made it this far. Not at the end. So they're fighting amongst each other. And he brings them together. Verse 42. Jesus called them together and said. You know that those who are regarded as rulers. of The Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. When I think about this, I, I can't stop thinking about this government class I had in high school. I was a junior in high school, and we took a government class, and, and I didn't know much about it, but I knew the teacher. I'd heard about him. He was an eccentric teacher, and I came in, and, and he had a stick. That day, he had a stick, and, and I wasn't sure what this stick would be for, and I wasn't the best student, so I was a little worried, and, but he had the stick, and he started the class, and he said, this is this talking stick. Whoever has a stick gets to talk in my class. I will have the stick most of the time. But if you're doing a presentation, I will give you the stick. If you have a question, I will give you the stick. But only with the stick do you have the power to lead this class. So for the rest of that nine weeks, 
he carried the stick everywhere with him. When we had a presentation, we got to hold the stick. When, uh, when, he, when he had a question, he'd give us a stick. When I'd fall asleep, he'd bang on, the, bang on my desk to wake me up with the stick. But this was the stick of power. And so you, when I look at this scripture, I, th- I think that stick, this is how the Gentiles lived. There was an emperor shortly after Jesus' time named Servus Galba, and he was quoted as saying, now that I am emperor, I can do whatever I like to anyone I please. This was the mindset of the Gentiles. Whoever had the most power, whoever was the most important person in the room, that person had the stick, and that person got to wield that stick however they wanted It was this idea that you would fight to get on top, and if you got on top, you got the stick. And so you're the most powerful. Everyone had to respect you. Everyone had to listen to you. And Jesus says, not so with you. This idea of the Gentiles is that if you had the power, if you had the wealth, if you had the prestige, if you had the, the, the power stick, the talking stick, you could lure that over other people. You could use it to put them down, to cast them down, to make them feel embarrassed, to make them do things you wanted to be done. It was this idea that you could scare people with your power, with your stick, with your, with your status. That you could make a lot, draw a lot of attention to yourself like you could with a stick, like my teacher did in his class. But it was all about you. It was all about what you had worked and achieved and that you were the most important person in the room. Everyone needs to look at you. Everyone needs to bow to you. Everyone needs to respect the talking stick. That's not Jesus' plan. He says, not so for you. He says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be slave to all. That is crazy talk. Right? He's here with these disciples. They're wanting to be sidekick one and two. They're wanting to take over Rome. They're wanting to overthrow the government. They're wanting to lead the people out of free, into freedom. And he's saying, no, no, it's not going to be like that. If you want to be first, you've got to be last. If you want the power, it's not about trying to get power. It's not about lording it over him like the Gentiles do. It's about serving them. I feel like he's almost shaking their, their, head, their shoulders saying, don't you get it? After three years, all we've been through, you've seen so many times that I've served others. How have you not got this? This isn't about power. This is about caring for others. This is caring for mankind. This is caring for the least of these. This isn't about the power you get from the stick. It's about serving others. My good friend Heath always says, everybody plunges toilets. He said in an organization... Everyone needs to plunge toilets. That there's nothing below anyone in that organization. And, and for us in our society, probably taking care of toilets is the worst thing that, can, that we could do, right? That if we were the low man on the totem pole, it would be to have to clean the toilets here after on a Sunday. Everyone plunges toilets. That that stick, that power isn't used to weld, uh, weld power, isn't used to scare others, isn't used to bring attention to myself. That that position, that power that you've been given is used to, to care for others, to plunge a toilet, to love on those that are in need. That you've been given wealth, how can you care for those that haven't? You've been given power, how do you care for the weak? 
You've been given a voice. How do you care for those that have no voice? Even in your home, that so often we think that you might think you're the ruler of the house. How have you looked for ways that you could serve your spouse this weekend? Have you looked for ways that you could serve your kids? Kids, how have you looked for ways that you've served your parents? Maybe in school, are you caring for that child that gets picked on, that fellow student that gets picked on, or are you the one picking on, or, or maybe just being quiet, thinking, well, I, I'm not the one making fun of them, but you're not doing anything to stop it. You're not caring for the least of these. Jesus is saying that at work, that you've worked your way up the corporate ladder and, and maybe you have power, maybe you have a position. What are you doing with that position? Are you lording it over people? Or are you helping bring others up? That despite your title, you're willing to stay late to help someone else, willing to pick up their project and help them. Jesus says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life for the ransom of many. Jesus was willing to plunge toilets. Jesus was willing to take, care of the, to take care of each of us. There was no object that was too low for him. In fact, Jesus was willing to do way more than plunge a toilet. He was willing to go, even though he knows this is going to happen in Jerusalem, to meet up with the chief priests, teachers of the law, to be handed over to the Gentiles, to be flogged and mocked, and to be crucified. This is what Jesus was willing to do. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life for the ransom of many. We've been talking about Mark and sandwiches, and, and if you haven't been here, you don't, might not know what I'm talking about. There's this idea in Mark that he'll have a, a, an idea or a story, and then he puts another story in there, and then he finishes that story. And, and here we have kind of like a small mini one of those. It's, it's like a White Castle version uh, of a Mark and sandwich, right? And so he, last week we looked at this passage where Jesus is talking about serving others. And, and Mark 10, 31 says, but many who are first will be last, and the last first. Jesus is talking about setting yourself, not trying to be first, but last. And now we come to the end of this passage and says, instead, whoever wants to become greater among you must be a servant, and whoever wants to be first must be a slave to all. Mark is making sure his audience in Rome gets this. Mark is making sure we get this. This idea of service. And I know it's countercultural to, uh, to what, we, what we know here in America. And the idea is to have the, the power stick, not to have the plunger. But are we trying to follow Jesus' plan for our life? It's, it's been neat uh, as we sketched out what this, what this book of Mark would look like throughout the year. We, we ha broke it up into sections and put it on the different dates, different Sundays. And there was no real way to determine what passage would be on which week except for just where we started it, right? And then it's neat that this week is all about Jesus and service. And in two weeks from now, we have sense to serve. I don't think this is a coincidence. I think this is God's planning and so this morning, I, I want to take a moment, we're going to look at this opportunity to actually live out one of these sermons. So often we read and we study and we say, that, wow, that's great. And we, we don't take the opportunity to actually live it out, to experience this, to, to be real in this. And this morning we will. 
All this summer, we've been doing Summer to Serve, and we've looked at different shots throughout the summer. We have hosted a camp for kids where uh, there's like over 200 kids, 100 of them were baptized. We've made hundreds of dental packets. We've created cards for nursing homes. We've taken meals to apartment complexes. Uh, we took meals to teachers and school employees. We fed the homeless. We've cleaned up parks. The youth did a mission trip all over town. We have had multiple, multiple things throughout the summer. And it's all been leading to Sent to Serve. We, we close out the summer this, this August with Sent to Serve. And if this is your first time here at Discovery, I, I want to tell you a little bit about this. If everyone will grab the paper. There's a paper on, on a seat or on the seat next to you. And, and I wanna, we're going to take a minute because I actually want us to live out what Jesus is teaching us this morning. And so this piece of paper has our Sent to Serve sites. Whenever there's a fifth Sunday in the month, it happens four times a year. It's happening in August. When there's a fifth Sunday in the month, we do what we call Sent to Serve. We'll meet here at 9.30, just like you guys did, and we'll sing a song or two, then we have communion, and then we go. We go and be the church, and we go out to eight to 12 different mission sites around town, and we go and be the church and, and live out what God has commanded. We actually live out this passage. And so in two weeks from now, we're going to do Sense of Serve, and, and this morning, we, we are, our desire, our goal for August is going to be good weather, hopefully. Everyone's back in town. I hope and pray this is our biggest Sense of Serve yet. Not because I, we care about number, but because think what the impact we can make in this city, the more people we had part of it. We actually have t-shirts coming. They're supposed to be here this week, but I saw yesterday uh, they're in Orlando. I don't know what happened. The, the company sent them. We got two boxes, and one box arrived at my doorstep. The other box arrived in Orlando. So there's 200 people sporting uh, Discovery shirts at Disney World right now. Um, but, and so we'll get some new shirts back, or maybe for those from them, and we'll get some magic ears. But um, we'll have t-shirts. We want everyone to be able to be part of this. It's going to be free t-shirts, and it's just an opportunity for us to go and be and serve in this community. And so this morning, I'm going to go over these sites real quick. And you might have heard this, uh, if you've been here at Discovery, you might have heard these a, a dozen times. But this morning, I want you to look at it through new lens. What am I passionate about? What excites me? One of these has to be something you care about. And if so, sign up for that one. What excites you? What, what do you think could bring your family together as you serve together? Or what maybe you're excited about and that you want to be part of? We got Haven of Rest. And this morning, I'm going to ask that, uh, that you mark which one. There's a pencil or a pen in front of you in the chair in front. Write your name and the names of the, your party and mark which one you're going to be in. Because we need to get a number of, of ideas of who's going where and t-shirts and so forth. We'll have shirts next week, the next two weeks here. And, and I just want to see our whole church come together in this. So Haven of Rest, this is a ministry that serves uh, the needy by providing food and shelter and clothing. This helps the homeless and, and they have a soup kitchen downtown. And so we're going to go and clean the soup kitchen and the dining area. And it's an opportunity to, to care for them. If, uh, if you care about healing hands, uh, maybe you grew up in a poor situation and, and you needed the help of free medical care. This is a group that does that. And we're going to go and love on them, do some landscaping work around their place. And it's, that one's usually fun. They got chainsaws and all kinds of things. And so if you like that, this is the one for you. We'd love to have you come and help at, help at that ministry. Perhaps you have a loved one that's in a nursing home or senior center. And you know firsthand how lonely that has been for them this past year. 
they uh, are locked down again at Elmcroft, and so we're not able to go in. We, we were last time, but we can't go in, but we're going to go on the outside and, and knock on the walls, knock on the doors, on the windows, and, and just talk to the people through the windows. And it was the coolest thing to see, so my little girl hold up her hand and, and an elderly person hold up her hand on the other side of the window, and then they just played together as we told them that we loved them, held up signs. If, you, if that is of interest to you, mark that one. Uh, Hope House is a, a home that helps uh, ladies that find themselves in a situation that they've had a child and, and it's just been a, a rough life and a rough situation and they need some extra help. So this is an opportunity to care for them. They're, we're actually going to do some work at their house and then also they have a resource center that they need to switch over clothes from summer to, to fall clothes for the children and for these ladies and so they could use some help with that. BG's Closet. I'm super excited about this. This is a clothing ministry that we're starting here at the church. And our hope is that this will be for Discovery families as well as families in the foster system. And this past week, we contacted DCS. And then we had a meeting with them and said, hey, we have this opportunity that we're not asking anything of you. We just want to give you clothes. And if you go to send them to our website, they can fill out what they want and we would deliver it. We have that meeting on Monday. This week, we filled nine orders of clothes for foster families. So it's super cool. And this is our first launch of this ministry. And so we could use some help with that, organizing the clothes. And, and also, if you have any, uh, I think we're low on boys' clothes under four. So if you have boys' clothes left over, we could love to get some clothes. All right. Um, disabled American veterans. Well, we're going to go. They have this new site in Bluff City, and they could use some help landscaping and spraying out mulch and doing things. And so if you'd like to, to care for the veterans that put their life on the line and protected us, this is your chance to pour back to them. There's a path that from this church to the office that was started this summer by a youth group not from our church, and they did as a, a service project for Isaiah House, and, and they got done with the day, and they'd only got half the path completed, and then we never saw them again. And so we have, um, and then our youth group came, and they, they did some more, but we still have some stones that need, need place. And so if you're willing just, just to work out in the sun, you could just shovel and scoop up a little bit of, of dirt about an inch deep and then place these stones and put the, the sand so that they get permanent, we could use some help finishing that. If you are interested in helping for shut-ins, we have a lady, Bonnie is going to head this up, and, and she's caring for shut-ins and widows. And that might look different for different people. Uh, it might look like going and doing some cleaning or some yard work. It might look like bringing a meal. It might look like just sitting with the shut-in and just talking, hearing their story, and having them have some interaction with people. And so we'll know more as we find out how many people and which shut-ins we're going to be able to, to work with. And then finally, maybe the last section is just at home. If that's you, you're going to be missing this week, mark that and write to us what maybe you might want to do. If, if you're watching online and, and you don't feel comfortable coming out, well, we get that. And we want to give you an opportunity that maybe you make a pie and give it to your neighbor that could just use some encouragement. Maybe it's sending a card and, and sending that to someone. So all of this to say, maybe it's going through your clothing at your children's clothing at home and, and bringing us clothing for the clothing closet. I don't know. But this is our chance to live out Mark chapter 10. We don't always get a chance to do that. To think about that. This is what Jesus is saying on his way to die for our sins. To serve. To pick up the plunger. 
We have a chance to use our power and our wealth and our physical ability to care for those in need. And so that's what I look forward to. Two weeks from now is doing that with each one of you. And so this morning, we ask, if you will mark which one you want to be part of and put it in the basket on your way out. And not to just blow this off and be like, ah, oh, we'll figure it out later, or, or that, well, it's a week that we'll just go to the lake. Let this be a week that we live out God's word. If you'll pray with me. Lord, I just come to you and, and pray that we can glorify you with our study of your scripture, that we glorify you with our worship. But God, we also pray that we can glorify you with, with our service. God, I pray that people here find one of these that aligns with their heart, with their passion, the way you've wired them, and let them go and serve you to be the church. God, I pray you put a, a, just a burden and a passion on our hearts not to blow this off, but to live this out. To actually live out Mark chapter 10, where you told the disciples, where you told us, the first shall be last, the last shall be first. The Son of Man did not come to, to be served, but to serve. Let us follow your example. In your name.